This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Eric Nelson, Privacy Practice Leader at the Linden Group. Thanks so much for joining us today, Eric. I'm glad to be here. Across the country, many small physician group practices are planning to acquire their first electronic health record system and hoping to receive federal incentive payments under the High Tech Act. So what questions should group practices ask electronic health records vendors about privacy and security when they're shopping for a system? And should those questions vary depending on whether or not the system works using cloud computing? Well, the answer is yes. Whether or not they're using cloud computing or whether they're implementing a practice is implementing the system itself, uh, there's some pretty basic questions, but they, they kind of roll up to one thing, and that's the fact that under the new High Tech Act, anybody that is sharing information or collecting information or managing information for a practice or, or covered entity as, as they are uh, is now considered a business associate that also has to meet HIPAA security and privacy requirements. Now, some of the questions that they should ask, and this is whether the system is hosted or not, is number one, is the vendor willing to sign a, a business associate agreement? And what are the contractual assurances? Uh, for instance, are they willing to be audited, be reviewed, or other uh, areas of, of compliance to make sure that they're continually complying with HIPAA privacy and security regulations? Uh, another question, and these are, these are pretty high level, but they're, they're very key and very important. What type of administrative, technical, and physical safeguards are in place with the vendor? And what kind of procedures and tools are in place to restrict and monitor access to a practice's confidential information? And finally, if administered by a third party, and again, it doesn't matter if a, a practice has a, a vendor installing a system on site or whether it's hosted or via a cloud, Will they provide specific information on the hiring and oversight of administrators, technicians, and, and controls over their access to your information? Now, specifically with a hosted or cloud environment, some of the questions, the key questions to ask might be, how is that data secured? And is the facility where it's hosted certified, say ISO 2000 or 2701 certified? And if it's on your site, how is that information within the system secured electronically, and how is it secured, or what are the recommendations to secure it physically? Can the provider provide detailed information on a security architecture, and if it is a third-party hosting information, are they willing to accept a security audit? If a breach occurs or if a, the building gets blown down, what are the response procedures that are in place, and what are the escalation lists, and are you, can you be part of the planning process? And finally, and this is an area that most, a lot of people might not even think about, but how would you obtain and protect your information if a vendor fails or is acquired by another company? Those are the key questions I would ask. So how can a smaller group practice with relatively limited resources conduct a meaningful risk assessment? Should that be done before the EHR is installed or before you're even shopping or, or later? And what are the key elements of such an assessment? Well, a, a risk assessment should be completed definitely before a system is, is installed, and there's a number of reasons for it. But, when, again, going back to just the basic uh, regulations, uh, the basis of the HIPAA security requirements are to protect the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of electronic uh, PHI, or uh, protected health information. And the security rule actually requires a covered entity to perform a risk assessment that identifies reasonably anticipated threats, hazards, and unauthorized or impermissible use and or disclosure. Now, while the HIPAA security rules apply to every 
covered entity or every practice, there's a little bit of leeway based on the size and complexity of uh, the practice or, or an organization. But that said, every practice, every covered entity has to make a conscious and legitimate effort to meet the HIPAA security requirements. Now, a risk assessment and the questions should consider there's, there's six main and required components of the security rule, which include security standards. Does the practice meet and have general security standards and policies in place? Administrative safeguards. Does a practice have and maintain appropriate administrative policies and procedures relating to its workforce? Physical safeguards. Has the practice identified and addressed potential risks as it relates to the physical environment of its data? Technical safeguards. Are appropriate technical controls in place to protect electronic protected health information and restrict unauthorized access? Organizational requirements. Does the practice have appropriate agreements in place with business associates uh, that they share health information with as well as other relationships? Now, one of the things that a practice needs to understand or consider is that they're not just protecting patient information, but they also have employees. They also have perhaps contractors that work for them. So some of the information that they may be collecting and sharing may not be protected health information, but they may be sharing it with other, maybe outsourcing some of their other functions, for instance, payroll, uh, benefits, or, or other uh, processes within the organization. And then finally, having policies and procedures, having documented policies and procedures. Does a practice have written policies and procedures that comply with the security rule as well as re follow retention, availability, and uh, keep their information updated specific to that documentation? Now, those are the six components, and, and they're very general, but those are the six primary components of the security rule. But with the advent of high-tech coming into play last year, it adds additional privacy considerations, and without going into all of them, the, probably the most significant and perhaps one of the most uh, highest risks to a practice is breach notification. Now, outside of the HIPAA and high-tech requirements, one of the most important steps before implementing any type of system is an inventory of the personal information that a practice collects, manages, and shares. Now, an inventory, it kind of boils down to what I'd like to say, how can you protect something when you don't know what you have to protect. So a practice, and this is a small practice, medium-sized practice, or even a large organization, should understand down to a data element level, meaning a name, an address, driver's license number. I say social security number, but that's, that's one thing that a lot of practices shouldn't, shouldn't collect that, that they often do. But understand exactly what individual data elements or pieces of information they're collecting understanding how that information is being uh, collected and why is that information being collected. The inventory should also identify who has access to that information. Do they need access to that information to perform their job? And if they don't, does that information need to be restricted? And finally, how that information is shared and how that information is retained. Again, it boils down to how can you protect something when you don't know what you have to protect. In general, then, what are the main security risks that a practice faces when shifting for the first time from paper-based to electronic records? And what are some of the best ways to minimize those risks? And that's a, that's a great question. And one of the things, again, going back to the HIPAA security rule, the HIPAA security rule applies to electronic PHI or protected health information. The privacy rule applies to all uh, protected health information, be it on any type of media. 
could be could be electronic, could be paper, could be somebody talking out loud. So uh, this is an important question because uh, the transition from paper to electronic could be very much a risk to the business. Now, probably the one and highest security risk is uh, protecting paper re records from unauthorized access during and after a transition to electronic health record uh, system. And a couple of examples would be if there's a third party that's coming in to do the transcription or the conversion, be it scanning or whatever the case might be, how is that information, again, being managed? How is it being uh, shared? Do they subcontract out? What are their policies and procedures? And what are their safeguards to protect that information? And the second key area is improper storage or disposal of paper records. About probably a week doesn't go by where there's a, a news clip out that talks about some kind of company. It could be healthcare, it could be mortgage, it could be financial, where somebody discovered an entire trash bin full of personal information. And in fact, uh, I was meeting with one of the fraud officers in here in Southern California who shared a story about coming upon a medical center about a year ago where some kids had broken into an outside storage locker where the doctors in the small uh, clinic had just stored their records. And the kids had broken the locks off the door and medical records were just completely strewn across the parking lot. And this wasn't done, it was done maliciously from a kid's, being kid's perspective, but somebody easily could have broken in and, and stolen those records. So improper storage or disposal of paper records are one of the biggest threats during the transition to electronic health records. Should practices encrypt information, and should they encrypt it on mobile devices as well as workstations and servers? And what about email? The answer is yes, uh, yes, and yes, because uh, number one, mobile devices, one, one thing that a practice should consider is whether they really have a business need to store information on a mobile device. One of the highest breach statistics, one of the highest areas of breaches are breaches of a mobile device, uh, primarily laptops. The reason that the information is at risk is because it wasn't encrypted. Now, encryption is starting to become less expensive. It's becoming more prevalent. People are starting to realize how important encryption is. But especially on mobile devices, it's imperative to encrypt the information. Now, in addition, there's at least two states, if not more, uh, Massachusetts and Nevada, that require encryption for personal information carried on a mobile device or sent via email. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't include medical information, but if there's other information on there, personal information, any kind of financial information, driver's license information, PIN uh, information, that type of thing, falls under the state notification requirements. But finally, uh, encrypting information, be it on a mobile device, be it on a workstation or server, it, it can provide safe harbor against breach notification requirements, both at a federal, under HIPAA, uh, high-tech, as well as uh, state requirements. So. Encrypting information on a mobile device is absolutely imperative, but it's also good practice to do it on your servers and workstations. Now, email is a little bit different, and it used to be, especially when Nevada passed the law, there was a lot of concern about trying to protect information being uh, sent through encrypted over, over email. But there's a lot of different types of services out there now that instead of having to go through and download software on on a practice's computer and then have the same type of software downloaded on the recipient's computer. There are now hosted services that can provide encryption and do it very easily and do it very inexpensively. Uh, I have one client that, that uses a particular service that runs about $65 per license. So in other words, a license could be per practice per year. 
And if they send an email to one of their business associates or a patient, all it requires that that recipient to do is to enter their email address and enter a some kind of a password, and they are they automatically are signed up for that encryption service, and they can receive that information encrypted. So the answer to your question is yes, uh, information should be encrypted. Basically, anything that stores information, uh, including and in, in transmitted, as well as uh, the cost to do so and the effort to do so are much easier these days. Finally, what other security technologies should physician group practices be considering? You know, there, there's so many different types of technologies out there. And it, it's kind of another saying is it's not the computers that still are losing information, it's the people. And most, again, data breaches don't occur from uh, hackers or, I mean, you have hackers breaking into banks uh, and that type of thing to obtain information. But for most of the population, and especially in healthcare, most of the information is lost, stolen, or mishandled or mismanaged because people uh, were involved and people either didn't know about the policies, didn't have, uh, weren't, weren't stopped from accessing that information, um, or just didn't know how to handle it properly. So there's going to be a billion vendors out there telling you what kind of technologies to use, but I think it boils down to the people and, and the processes and the policies and the procedures making sure people understand understanding what information you collect, manage, and share, understanding who touches it, why do they touch it, and understanding how you can protect that information. And if something happens to it, how to take the steps to make sure that the information, uh, the damage to both your business and your patients, the damage is mitigated and that you retain your good name as a business and a, and a, and a doctor and practice. Well, thanks, Eric. We've been talking today with Eric Nelson of the Linden Group. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.